Welcome to Purpose Inc., the podcast where we discuss corporate purpose and stakeholder capitalism. I'm your host, Michael Young. When I started my own entrepreneurial journey, I volunteered at a tech incubator in San Francisco as a mentor and coach. And each week I would meet with teams of startup founders to talk to them about their ideas and share my experience on PR strategy and help them buff up their corporate narratives and their pitch decks. And if you've ever spent any time around startup founders, these are the people Steve Jobs famously called the crazy ones. You come away with a rush of endorphins when you talk to someone who's risking it all to follow their dreams and build a company from an idea. Their energy level is 11 out of 10. It's an incredible experience and I highly recommend it. And when I talked to today's guest, I came away with exactly that same feeling. Ava Sadegi is the co-founder of Simba. That's S-Y-M-B-A dot I-O. It's a startup that's built a tech stack to help corporations and nonprofits manage remote internship programs. And you might ask, what does internships have to do with a podcast on corporate purpose and stakeholder capitalism? And if you think about it, as with any system within capitalism, there are real social and economic inequities built into that system. Basically, the untraded interdependencies or the benefits that accrue to individuals, in this case, interns, who are agglomerated at certain schools or within certain geographies. Simply, the kids who are better off can afford better internship programs than those who are not because of where they're located typically. And uh, even pre-COVID, getting an internship was hard. And internships are a big part of how college grads network into their first jobs and build their professional careers. So leveling that playing field and opening up hiring to the best talent available from anywhere is what Ava and her team at Simba are doing. And I got introduced to Ava through my friends over at Tata Consultancy Services who sponsor a program called Digital Empowers along with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation. And that's a program that focuses on accelerating innovation and supporting social entrepreneurs. And as part of Digital Empowers, they run a program, a a startup challenge called Pitch for Purpose. And the first place winner of the most recent Pitch for Purpose, none other than Ava Sadegi. And through that, Simba will receive funding grant and uh, coaching and mentorship from TCS and other experts, uh, in particular SeedSpot, one of the other partners in that program. Ava and I had a great conversation today about her journey, her own journey as a startup founder and, 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 and once an intern. And we talked a lot about how Simba is truly leveling the playing field in internships. And we talked about where she's taking the company and what she's building. And so, again, as Steve Jobs said, the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who actually do. And I have no doubt Ava is going to change the world. So without further ado, my conversation with Ava Sadegi, co-founder of Simba. 
Ava, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. Awesome. All right. A lot to cover today, as always. But uh, And then just a, a reminder of how we met through Digital Empowers, which is a partnership with Tata Consultancy and U.S. Chamber of Commerce. And I want to hear about your journey through that program. And if there's anything I know about TCS is they're very accomplished at convening interdisciplinary groups of business, technology, not-for-profit, public policy, and with a focus on social issues and finding amazing new social entrepreneurs like you. So give us a just set us up on the journey through your founder's journey, really, if you will, start there, and then we can get into digital empowers and and what you're up to. But over to you. Of course. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to share my story. We've truly been grateful for the opportunity through um, the Tata Consultancy Services, as well as the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation. This was an amazing opportunity. And my journey with Simba actually begins several years ago. Um, actually, Simba turns three um, in just a couple days. And um, it was um, an amazing experience up to date. Um, and I remember um, I never really imagined myself becoming a founder of a tech company. I studied international relations and global affairs and was always very passionate about social impact. Uh, my family is from Iran. And so at an early age, I dreamed of being a diplomat. And when I was in college, I did my undergrad in Tucson, Arizona. And all the internships I wanted in global affairs, as you might imagine, were uh, based in DC. So I just did not have the same type of access. Um, but that fortunately changed. Uh, when I was in college, I landed a remote internship at the US Department of State. And so through that experience, I realized how remote work could create access. And when I finished uh, my graduate studies and I was a human rights fellow with Congressman John Lewis in Atlanta, I helped co-found Simba. And the idea was how do we create access and level the playing field for millions of students all around the world who just do not have the same type of access to the workforce. And so my journey as a tech CEO did not start off like most. I didn't really know much about sales or business getting started, but it's been a phenomenal journey so far. It's fantastic. And and also, uh, and what I what I love about your story is the fact that you were on this remote distance thing a while ago, which is really cool now thinking about kind of the way the world has changed. But but you really, I, I think the, the central theme I heard from you is about leveling the playing field and opening up and, and, and maybe just give us a, now, now tell us, get into what Simba does and how it works and, and who you connect and how it, how it all comes together. Cause I think that's really to understand the root problem as you did, as you experienced yourself, talk about then what Simba has become. I'm happy to share more. And it was very interesting when we started off. You know, the problem, like you said, is how do we level the playing field and create opportunities? 
we saw that students were spending thousands of dollars to get a degree and had no insights on what it was like to work in their field. And when we sat down with talent leaders before we wrote a single line of code at Simba, we started asking questions about what would it take to stand up a remote internship program? How could we help you scale so that you didn't have to bring every intern in-house, but maybe they can work for you remotely? And they told us that remote would never happen. <laughs> they said, that is out of the picture. We will never go remote. Internships are all about being in person. Um, and we can only take this many because um, that's all we have the bandwidth and capacity for. So what our team did was uh, rather than becoming a marketplace, we decided what if we build a platform that makes it easy to manage and scale internship programs? And so we built this product and we partnered up actually with the U.S. Department of State, um, the team that I did my initial internship with, and they were so excited. They did focus groups with us to build out what the software would look like. And today, now more than ever since we launched, there is an incredible demand for this service. And we work closely with HR leaders and we onboard them to the product and they can easily manage all the interns. Um, see their projects, track their performance. And there's a nice community board where everyone can engage and foster meaningful relationships um, in a remote atmosphere. So we're proud to be all-female founded, all-female coded, and um, really just now in the next stage of growth where we are, we have already launched Simba 2.0. Keller, and I, I would assume that this old idea that you can't do it remotely, including internship has, has passed. Are we through that now? Well, I think that we are for some companies, um, but to a degree, you know, I, we have noticed that there is still a lot of hesitation. Um, and some companies are trying to hold on to the idea that maybe next summer their internships will return to in-person. Mm. Um, and so, you know, our, our philosophy at Simba is not about, every internship should be remote. Uh, we're a believer in hybrid workforce where things are flexible. Um, and we believe that remote internships can create more access because they help companies scale and create more opportunities, uh, whether that be in person and remote. So we don't try to distinguish between the two, but we are noticing that some companies were very hesitant. A lot, some companies canceled and just said, we can't even do it if it's remote. Um, and there were some big, pretty big name companies that did that, um, like Yelp and Disney. They just canceled. And um, I believe um, some big tech companies actually canceled and then had so much backlash that like the next day they sent out an email blast to all those interns saying, oh, actually, we're going to host it remotely. So mm -hmm. it was, um, you know, every company has taken a different approach. But definitely the, the mentality is, is that they are embracing this new type of workforce. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think I've heard you say that many big companies that you've, that you started working with were managing interns on spreadsheets, right? Like this whole idea that there should be some better way to do it. And, and that's, that, that has been the state of the art, it seems, is do it on an Excel spreadsheet. Definitely. Just as you mentioned, and it was pretty, um, for us, it was baffling to think that a 600 or 2,000 person internship program was managed on spreadsheets. Um, mm -hmm. And usually there's one or two leaders overseeing an entire program. 
um, and they're usually scrapped for resources. So um, we wanted to change that narrative. We found that this is such an important stage of students' growth and professional development, and companies are spending um, on average around $50,000 per intern over the course of 12 weeks. So it's time to ensure that they have meaningful experiences and they have the data and insights of the success of these programs. Yeah. And, and so let's talk a little bit about pitch for purpose and digital empowers and that experience and what it was like to go through that. And you did that virtually, right? That was held this year for what the third year or fourth year in a row, but this was the first year that it was done remotely. What was it like to go through that process and 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 talk about that a little bit, if you would? Well, the pitch for purpose done remotely was actually very well organized. We were very impressed by the level of detail. They had practice sessions. They even organized mentors um, to meet with us before the pitch um, and guide us through the journey. So it was definitely not just the pitch competition. There was a lot of support and guidance leading up to it because pitching virtually is is definitely challenging. Um, I'm the kind of person when I uh, pitch and share Simba, I love hearing people's feedback and I love you know seeing people's faces light up when we tell stories and their reaction. And it's very challenging to do that in a virtual setting. Uh, but you know we powered through, and I I really enjoyed meeting all of the other founders that um, Pitch for Purpose brought together. There were over 150 different social entrepreneurs that applied for this opportunity, and this was the first year they did the um, Pitch for Purpose pitch competition. This was um, that was the first time they put it together, and so it was really um, exciting to to share their stories, and I really enjoyed meeting everybody afterwards as well. Um, and many of the judges have reached out afterwards to be supportive and many of the community members as well. So it was so well done. And even though it wasn't in person, we gained so much value. Um, and I, I'm really impressed by the programming. Yeah, fantastic. <clears throat> yeah, and it's it's great though to see their their focus on social entrepreneurship and and addressing issues and challenges, which is something I, I I definitely want to get back to because you are squarely on that 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 concept of 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 diversity equity and inclusion and and giving and the, giving companies access to remote internship means they can recruit from anywhere they can actually I think put their money where their mouth is in terms of more diverse recruitment and and presumably that remote plus across more schools, more geographies, more places. So, I mean, was that, was that a part of your, your thinking or is that, did that just emerge as the result of what you built? I'm so glad that you asked that, Michael, because that was really the founding reason we created Simba. As I mentioned, uh, when I was a fellow with Congressman John Lewis, um, I created Simba as an action project. And each of the fellows in the program, we were all tasked with um, creating an action project that we thought would address some form of inequality or civil rights issue in the United States. And I myself have done six unpaid internships. And really, only the students who could afford to live in D.C. or New York 
over the course of the summer and land one of those opportunities was the student who was going to get ahead in their career um, because students with internships are you know, more likely to land a job, uh, more likely to be paid more. And so that was the forefront uh, founding reason behind them, but was how can we change the landscape of who has access to these opportunities? And we figured that if you don't have to relocate to a new city, then students could actually afford to participate in these opportunities. In addition to the diversity and inclusion, now we can actually prepare students and companies also, not just students, but how do we work remotely? Right? That's one of the biggest questions. I think there's an etiquette to working remotely. There's a skill set um, that students need to gain to be successful in the new work environment. And now companies also need to build that capacity of managing teams effectively remotely and, and building that sense of culture and engagement even in, in a remote workforce. <clears throat> Absolutely. And, and, and maybe too, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have a relatively small company. We have about 35 people in our company and, and we have some internship programs. So I, I would think that you work with very large organizations. You've mentioned some of those to me and, and they, they are doing hundreds and sometimes thousands of interns. You also work with nonprofits, you work with colleges. So just give us a little more shape on, on that ecosystem and, and how small companies can, could potentially benefit from this kind of remote internship program. Yes, I'm happy to dive in deeper because it's such a range. And it was funny because when we were doing um, the beginning of our research and understanding, you know, how do you do customer segmentation and how do you reach out to certain customer groups, we realized that there was no set ratio of an internship program according to a company profile. So you could have a really large company that has an internship program of 20, and then you could have a medium-sized company that has a, a, you know, a few hundred person internship program. So for us, it was very interesting to learn how every company set up and designs its own program. To date, we've worked with over 500 different teams doing research, standing up programs, and we've also learned that not one internship program is like the other. I mean, every company really crafts it and structures it from scratch, but there's a lot of value for smaller companies to consider bringing on interns. We at Simba are a pretty small company. Um, we're smaller than you are. <laughs> we're a third of your size, actually. We're um, ten, a team of 10, and we have uh, four interns at Simba. And uh, internships are very different than hiring on a full-time employee because with an intern, you need to invest in their professional development, their success, their growth, um, and it grooms the manager who's overseeing that intern into a leader because a true leader cares about the success and the professional development of their entire team. And so myself having an intern has taught me how to be a great manager, has polished my communication skills, has helped me set my team up for success. And um, I really do believe that small teams should consider bringing on interns also for creativity, um, also for um, getting um, some, you know, mentorship involved within your entire team. So there's a lot of value for interns um, for the organization. Um, obviously, there's clear value for the student as well. And 
Uh, we, we really do believe in that. And that's um, our whole uh, philosophy around Simba for symbiotic relationships, because it's not just the intern gaining value. The organization has a lot to gain. So I'm excited to hear that you have an um, internship program as well. Well, we're going to get better at it because I think we're going to have to use Simba because <laughs> we can't we can't keep doing what we're doing and expect different results. I think we need we need help. So we'll talk about that later and offline. <laughs> but um, I wanted to maybe uh, pivot to kind of your advice for other social entrepreneurs and. Um, and and you know I lo- I love that you said we're we're women founded and we're women coded. I thought that was really that's a really cool thing. And so just talk about what it's been like as you've gone through this journey. And you know, obviously you've you're building a company. You've raised some money. You're probably going to raise more. You we talked about your. You know, this is not just a North American play. There's opportunity to take this program. You work with global companies. They want to do this globally. So just kind of if you're advising another social on- entrepreneur, what would you say about the landscape now and what you've learned and and uh, and, and, and and where wh- – what what have you seen so far in your journey and how would you – approach that? That's a great question. And I feel like that question alone, I, we could build an entire podcast off of because I feel like over the past few years of building Simba, I have matured by like 20 or 30 years um, as far as understanding of the way that the world works uh, from um, sales to um, building a team to, um, you know, fostering, um, you know, some of my mentor relationships and understanding the landscape of fundraising and where capital goes, um, and also, um, women in tech and STEM and business. Mm -hmm. So I think all those are really key categories that, um, were, um, pretty alarming for me when I got into the space, you know, you always read about, um, the representation of women or how much capital goes to female founders and how much capital goes to social um, entrepreneurs and it's been very challenging. Uh, but I would l- inform the, you know, the social entrepreneur that's asking for my advice that, um, there are two things that are really important. The first is your team. My, um, my mentor, when I got started with Simba, she, um, you know, I reached out to her and I asked her, you know, what are the books I need to read? Cause I told you, I didn't know anything about business. And I said, what can I read to get ready? I don't know much about the sales process and whatnot. And she gave me all of these um, business books. I mean, I mean, all these parenting books. And the parenting books were, you know, how to raise kids, how to um, nurture relationships. And I was very baffled. I was like, what is this? You know, I need to learn about marketing and sales. And she said, Ava, the key to success at this stage, at the early stage of Simba, is building a team. And nurturing that motivation and that growth, because once you do that, then you can begin building your company. You must inspire people to work on an idea before you have capital. And that is why you need to read these parenting books. (laughs) And it was a fascinating conversation. Yes. 
Wow, that is that is. I I was like, okay, where is she going with this? But I totally get it, and yeah, that's yeah, that's fantastic. Yes, um, and I would say the second piece of advice I would say is really listen and understand the problem. What is the actual problem? Because when we started out with Simba, I thought that we would obviously be a remote marketplace where students could find opportunities and matched with really cool companies. But I listened. My co-founder, Dianiketa, and I, we listened to our customers who kept telling us about these spreadsheets, about these pain points. And we took those insights to build a product based off of our customers' pain and problem. And so often as a founder, you think that you know the answer and the solution that will save the world. But a real good startup founder can remove their ego and understand that if you're building something great, it should last way beyond you and it should solve your customers' problems and not what you think the answer is. So those would be my two uh, pieces of wisdom that uh, mm. were challenging for me to, to learn, but I've been continuously learning through and growing. Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's really exciting. And, and I guess, you know, in addition to, um, you know, more of the um, mentorship side, what are, what are some other recommendations? I think, you know, where, where else should founders look for support in building a network of support? What's your experience there, whether it's other organizations or, or people, how do you, what advice do you have there? That's an important question because the founder's journey can feel very lonely, um, when you get started. And so it's important to foster um, a really strong mentorship um, and group of leaders and community that um, want to elevate and work with you and be champions. So we found that at Simba through multiple different places. We were um, in two different programs, one with Accelerize, which is a B2B SaaS accelerator in um, San Francisco. And then we were involved in Techstars. Um, anywhere, which is a virtual accelerator program, and it's really large. Um, we also have been very active with SeedSpot. SeedSpot is fantastic for social entrepreneurs. Um, and I know that the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation and uh, the Tata Consultancy Services, they have many opportunities and resources as well for social entrepreneurs and founders. And I really encourage founders to put themselves out there and, and network reach out to people. Um, you know, you have to be bold um, and you will get rejected by so many people, so many things, and they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting maybe the startup idea or not able to make time, but be resilient, be persistent, and definitely build your community and nurture your community. So what I mean by that is when you are getting support, make sure you're giving back uh, make sure you're sure you're supporting other founders. I'm still very early in my startup journey, but there have been founders reaching out um, at their very early stage where they have an idea. And I always make time to speak to them because I know that my mentors really did. Um, they were champions for me and I'm all about um, paying it forward. Yeah, that's a really great point. And I've done the um, mentoring at at labs and and uh, innovation facilities myself and and just the the endorphins you get off of people who are 
taking a risk and going out there and doing their own thing as uh, as we all are. It's really exciting. It's really great. And as you were talking, I was actually looking at this quote I have on my desk from Ben Horowitz's book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. And in it, he says that hard things are hard because there are no easy answers or recipes. They're hard because your emotions are at odds with your logic embrace the struggle and and i think that's that's that 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 is that experience of startup is that you know you have this logical thing and then you get rejected and you're like oh this isn't working this is terrible and then you but you just keep going back to it and 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 i think that 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 kind of embracing that uncertainty is really for me has been what it's about it's great to hear how how you've experienced it as well so that's such a powerful quote and i couldn't just keep going yeah and just keep going right just keep keep swimming and i every time we reach a new milestone at semi say i always say this is only the beginning Um, (laughs) (laughs) and you know we closed our first round of financing now we can start building simba and it takes so much patience it takes everything and it's not just you as the founder it's your whole community Um, and that's why programs and initiatives like the Tata um, Consultancy Services and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation are so, so important because they create exposure. And they also provide the capital and support that founders do need because it's not an easy journey. It takes a lot um, more support and we need champions to do these types of initiatives. So we feel really grateful that there are initiatives like this that we're able to participate And I truly urge other founders to seek out opportunities just like this. Yeah, that's incredible. And Ava, unfortunately, we are going to have to leave it here. But this has been a great conversation. I was so excited to get to know you. And and I'm really, we're going to keep a close eye on you. And I'm going to figure out how we can do better with our internship program through Simba. So thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Of course, it's been uh, my pleasure and so grateful to be able to share my story and grateful for this opportunity. Thank you again to the Tata Consultancy Services and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation for this opportunity. All right. We will talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. The Purposing Podcast is a production of Actual Agency, helping innovators communicate in a changing world. More at www.actual.agency.com.